Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Jesus then begins a sermon where he chastises or tells off the Pharisees. He rebukes the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the whole Sanhedrin council for being hypocrites and men who are leading his beloved people straight to hell. And Jesus, in this sermon, ends up speaking seven woes against the Pharisees. And these seven woes or warnings, in many ways, sum up everything Jesus saw wrong with the religious establishment of his day. Jesus begins to preach. He says, the scribes and the Pharisees are seated in the chair of Moses. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it. But don't do what they do. Because they don't practice what they teach. They tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and put them on people's shoulders. But they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. They do everything to be seen by others. They enlarge their phylacteries, which is a big word for a box that was basically on their forehead that contained verses and the words and the names of God. Well, they enlarge their phylacteries, Jesus says, and they lengthen their tassels. They love the place of honor at banquets, the front seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called rabbi by people. But you... You are not to be called rabbi because you have one teacher and you are all brothers and sisters. Do not call anyone on earth your father because you have one father who is in heaven. You are not to be called instructors either because you have one instructor, the Messiah. This is what he's saying to the people surrounding him right there in Jerusalem. And then Jesus says in verse 11 of chapter 23, The greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And then beginning in verse 13, Jesus launches into those seven woes. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you don't go in, you don't allow those entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to make one convert, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a child of hell as you are. Woe to you blind guides who say, whoever takes an oath by the temple it means nothing, but whoever takes an oath by the gold of the temple is bound by his oath. Blind fools. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? Also, whoever takes an oath by the altar it means nothing, but whoever takes an oath by the gift that is on it is bound by his oath blind people for which is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift therefore the one who takes an oath by the altar takes an oath by it and by everything on it the one who takes an oath by the temple takes an oath by it and by him who dwells in it and the one who takes an oath by heaven takes an oath by god's throne and by him who sits on it woe to you scribes and pharisees hypocrites you pay a tenth of mint dill and cumin, and yet you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These things should have been done without neglecting the others, blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but gulp down a camel. 
Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup, so that the outside of it may also become clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of the bones of the dead and every kind of impurity. In the same way, on the outside you seem righteous to people, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous, and you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we wouldn't have taken part with them in shedding the prophets' blood. So you testify against yourselves that you are descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up, then, the measure of your ancestors' sins, snakes, brood of vipers. How can you escape being condemned to hell? This is why I'm sending you prophets, sages, and scribes, and some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. So all the righteous blood shed on the earth will be charged to you, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Barachiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I tell you, all these things will come on this generation. And then Jesus ends this amazing sermon with this great conclusion. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house has left you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And after that sermon, Jesus leaves the city and heads back home to Bethany to lay his head down and to pray and to spend time with his friends and his disciples. See, in this sermon, Jesus condemned or judged the Pharisees for, number one, being arrogant and loving to be seen by men. Also, in these woes, he condemns them for stopping people from following Jesus, and thus stopping people from entering the kingdom. Woe number two, he tells them off, he condemns them for leading people astray, to, to worship Satan, and to lead them astray from following and worshiping Yahweh. And then he tells them off. Woe number three, for encouraging people to lie and to not keep their oaths. And then woe number four, majoring on minor issues, but neglecting these major issues like justice and faith. He's saying you neglect the more important, not that these little matters don't matter. You should look at the minutia of what should I tithe out of these little things like mint and dill. You should care about that. But along the way, don't stop caring about the bigger, weightier principles, justice and love and fairness. 
And then he gives them another woe for living fake lives. He basically tells them off for being clean on the outside, but then completely dead on the inside. And then he gives them woe number six for basically being big, fat hypocrites. And then finally, the final woe he gives for these men who honor the past, but essentially refuse to live by it today. Now he talks about Abel, who was the first martyr, right? He was killed by his brother Cain. Do you remember that? Well, he then says we have that first martyr and then we have the last martyr recorded in scripture, which was a man named Zechariah who was killed by a king of Israel for standing up for Yahweh and for calling the people to come back to Yahweh. He was murdered for that. You find that in 2 Chronicles 24, and we covered it in Baldhead Bible podcast, by the way. Well, then Jesus condemns them, gives them these seven woes, and then he calls the Pharisees to remember, to remember how much he loves them, how much he would have gathered them together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. And then he ends with this, but next time I'm coming, I'm coming as a king. Next time I come, you will see me coming as a returning king, and you will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Like I said, after the sermon, Jesus leaves to get some well deserved rest. What an exhausting Tuesday to put up with attack after attack of the Pharisees and yet to give such brilliant, wonderful answers. What a savior we serve. Now, if I had to take these woes and turn them into modern day woes, I would probably turn them into modern day encouragements. And, and these are encouragements to the church. And these are encouragements to people who say, I want to follow Jesus. I'm not God. I'm not Jesus. So I don't feel like I have the right to give condemnation. No, but I can take these woes and turn them into positive encouragements. Hey, if we're going to live out what it means to be a disciple of Jesus today, let me encourage you with this. Number one, pursue humility. The first shall be last and the last first. Don't walk around like you are better than everybody else. No, pursue humility. But turning these seven woes into seven encouragements to the church would be this. Encouragement number one, introduce people to Jesus and the Bible, not your religion. See, I go to a Baptist church, but when people ask me, I don't tell them I'm a Baptist. No, I say I am a follower of Jesus. I'm a disciple of Jesus, first and foremost. And right now, the Baptist expression of what it means to follow Jesus is the one I feel that most fits what I read in Scripture. But if it ever goes wonky, I am out of there. I am first and foremost a follower of Jesus. Get people to follow your Lord and your Savior, not your religion. Encouragement number two, whatever church you go to, make sure your church practices lead people to Jesus. If your church practice is leading people away from Jesus, 
If your church practice is making people get more caught up in the do's and don'ts of your religion, then you are not leading people to Jesus. Encouragement number three, don't use your church authority to manipulate the system. And in particular, don't teach your people to play the game of Christianity. That's such an easy thing to do, like the rabbis and the Pharisees were teaching the people to, well, don't do an oath by the temple, but by the gold of the temple, because then I get a kickback, and then I get some money, and then I get this and that. I just want to make sure that whatever church we go to, that we're not teaching people how to manipulate the system, how to play the game called Christianity. No, let's not play politics. Let's follow Jesus. And then Encouragement number four would be don't miss Scripture's broad principles while you pursue the minutia questions of the Bible. I mean, the Bible is full of interesting and fascinating debates and discussions, and I say yes, pursue them. But along the way, don't forget that Jesus wants you to love justice and to love mercy and to take care of each other, and to take care of the poor and the widowed, and then to tell others about the gospel. Don't forget the big things. And then encouragement number five would be this. Encourage people in your church to live real lives, not fake ones. To live real lives, not fake ones. The Bible talks about in the book of Hebrews that we should confess our sins one to another. But when's the last time you confessed your sin to another brother or sister in Christ? We're too afraid people are going to think the worst of us or we'll be called out or we'll be looked down upon. But Jesus says, stop that. Do I really talk to people about my sin struggles? Can I let my guard down and talk to someone about the struggles in my marriage, the struggles in my job, the struggles at school, the struggles, whatever it happens to be. Can you be real with people? We need to stop speaking Christianese with each other and start speaking truth and be honest and be real. And then I only have six woes here, but I guess if you include my first one about not being a hypocrite and to pursue humility... That would probably be six all wrapped up. And then, but my final one would be this. My final encouragement would be to make sure our church traditions come from a heart of discipleship and that they honor Jesus. Does your church do some things that you make people do that you think back and go, is this really what the Bible teaches? You know, I think one of the more interesting ones is the altar call. I know some people that say, well, if you're not willing to go for it at the altar call, you're not really willing to follow Jesus. Where do you find an altar call in the Bible? You don't. Or, hey, we have to have a VBS. Again, where do you have a VBS? Where do you have Sunday school? Where do we have a morning service, an evening? You know, all these traditions that we fight over, let's make sure that we're honoring Jesus in it all. And let's make sure our church traditions and our church practices do not pull us away from a true discipleship of Jesus. Because in the end, we don't want to be a Pharisee. We don't want to be a Sadducee. We don't want the woes that Jesus gave them to be said of us. 
are to be said of our church. Let's pursue Jesus. Let's pursue Jesus. Thank you for listening to Bald Head Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week. Thank you.